Let me invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 4 today, and as we open up the Scriptures together, any elementary kids are welcome to gather out in the foyer for the beginning of Treehouse, our children's worship time. But we're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're walking through this portion of the Bible. We're walking through this New Testament letter that Paul wrote in the first century and writes from prison as a prisoner to believers uh, living in Ephesus. And we come today to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. And as noted last week, the first few chapters, the first three chapters are heavy on doctrine, heavy on theology, uh, driving home the, the truths, the deep truths of salvation, of, of life in Jesus Christ. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are uh, quite practical in nature, flowing from those theological truths. And so as you find your place there, as you find your place in Ephesians chapter 4, let me invite you to join me standing, uh, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's Word. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, going through verse 16. Let's hear the Word of the Lord. Paul writes, he says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Would you pause with me for prayer? Oh God, this morning we we are grateful that you're a God who has spoken and a God who still speaks by your spirit through your word. So speak to us now. Lord, instruct us now, guide us now so that we might know and follow you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, today's a day that many of us parents sort of throw a blind eye to our kiddos' eating habits, right? I I mean, if our kids ate every day like they do on Halloween, we have some pretty messed up kids, right? But most of the time, Most of the time, we we parents strive to do everything in our power to equip our kids to grow. To grow up strong and healthy. We, We give them a place to rest at night so that they can get plenty of sleep like they 
need. We provide semi-nutritious meals multiple times every day. We even encourage brushing teeth and taking showers at our house. We give them ample opportunities to learn, to play, to exercise, and to socialize. And we even take them for an annual trip to the medical doctor to determine how they're faring on these things, how they're faring with proper physical, emotional, and relational development. As we shared in our church newsletter this last week, we've got a couple new babies, brand new babies in our church family over the last couple of weeks and sort of reminds those who are our parents of uh, those moments when you when you bring home a brand new baby from the hospital this tiny little life and you're thinking what here in the hospital you 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 guys are professionals you've been helping with this all along moment by moment hour by hour for a couple of days and now you expect us to to take this child and to care for it and you quickly learn how to do so but you know, even so, we, we all know, as, as we well know, much about their health is out of our control. Right? We, we don't always know what our bodies need, much less their bodies. But church, there is one, there is one who always knows what his body needs. And we are his body. Friends, we are His body, so He always knows what we need. Church, we are the body of Jesus Christ, and Jesus gives His body everything it needs to grow in the way that God intends. Jesus equips His church with gifts for growth. That's what our text for this morning is all about. Jesus equips His church. He equips His church with gifts for growth. Jesus wants us to grow. And he gives us everything that we need to grow. Been reading through this letter. We've been reading through Ephesians on Sunday mornings. And after recounting the unity that God intends there to be among his people, Paul starts talking about gifts. Grace gifts. Otherwise known as spiritual gifts given by God to his people. Verse 7. But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it to each one of us, meaning every single believer. You see, God doesn't gift some of us and not others. He gives all of us. This is true of the church universal, right? of, of all believers, of all followers of Jesus Christ. And while this is true of the church universal, Paul's writing to a particular church or churches there in Ephesus. And so what he says is meant to be heard and applied in the context of the local church and a gathering of Christians coming together in community, much like what we're doing on this Sunday morning. It's meant to be heard in this context. It's meant to be applied in this context with a faith family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is why we, when we began this series on that first Sunday, we, we listened to the whole letter read, much as they would have. And probably they would have heard it again, I would assume, the next time they gathered. Because certainly there would have been some who missed that Sunday because they stayed up late watching the Braves game. Or perhaps they were down in Auburn watching the end of that game. And so it would be shared again and again and again and applied and heard and and practiced in the context of community. Paul's writing to the church, the community of Christ followers in Ephesus. To each one implies an individualism within the community. 
An individualism within the community. But the grace gifts aren't for the individual. They're for the church. They're for the community. They're given for Christ's church and by Christ Jesus himself. As in the king of all kings. The one we've just praised through song. That one raised from the dead and reigning on heaven's throne. King Jesus gives gifts to all of his people. He's the king. And he gives gifts. To all of us, Paul wants his readers to know that these grace gifts are for the good of the church and that they are given by Jesus. They're given by Jesus himself. The one who ascended on high as the victorious king after descending to earth as a suffering servant for our sake. Paul says he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe so Christ himself in other words we can rest assured church that these grace gifts are exactly what we need because they're from Jesus Jesus knows exactly what his body and his bride needs and he gladly gives her what she needs you know the New Testament uses several images several metaphors to describe the church, the bride of Christ, the family of believers. One we've seen here in Ephesians 2 at the end of uh, chapter 2 is is a a temple, a, a building, a structure comprised of all of God's people, Jews and Gentiles alike, a place where he he dwells. But but perhaps Paul's favorite metaphor for the church is is a body. Describes the church as a body on numerous occasions. And maybe this is because of the company he kept for one of the apostles' closest friends was Dr. Luke. Right? If you've ever been around a doctor, you know doctors can tell you all about the body. Paul was no stranger to having pain in his, his body to experiencing suffering in his body. And perhaps as he conversed with Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke would tell him all about the body and Paul would say, well, that sounds a lot like the church. That sounds a lot like Christ, Christ's church. Doctors can tell you all about the various parts and systems and how they function together in perfect harmony to support and to maintain life. So that reminds me of past conversations with a doctor many of us know, and that's Dr. Bill Dunham. A doctor is part of our own faith family who the last several months has been in memory care. But before his memory began to fail him, even as his memory was failing him, Dr. Dunham could tell you in intricate detail all about various surgical practices in the body. Retired orthopedic surgeon, he could tell you. He could tell you all about how... This ligament connects to this, and if you're going to fix this and operate, you're going to have to do this, and then this, and then he can tell you in in details, vivid details, even as he was beginning to forget other things. He can tell you about the body. Paul compares the church to a body, the body of Jesus Christ. And when you go in for a checkup, where's the first place? The doctor usually looks. If your experience is anything like mine, they usually begin looking at your head. Checking out your head, this several pound oval thing that sits on top of the body. They begin looking at 
the head, if your experience is anything like mine, the first place of interest for the guy or gal wearing the badge that says MD is the head, the eyes, the mouth, the nose, and the ears. And I guess the doctor supposes, knows, the doctor knows that if something's wrong with the head, the whole thing is out of whack. Right? Without a head, the, the appointment quickly shifts from an examination to an autopsy. Because without a proper head, the body's useless. And the same is true for the body of Jesus Christ. Without Christ as the head, it's just a flailing body. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, and God placed all things under Christ's feet, under his feet, and appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. So Jesus is the head, and without Jesus as the head, the whole thing is dead. A a church built on anything other than Christ Jesus crucified, buried, risen, and reigning ceases to be Christ's church, if it ever was one. So may Jesus Christ always be our head, Meadowbrook. May we look to Him, and may we listen to Him, and may we worship Him using the various grace gifts that He has given us to magnify his name. Jesus equips his church with gifts for growth. King Jesus gives gifts to all of his people, including leaders to teach God's word. He gives leaders to teach God's word. So Christ himself gives these gifts. What are the gifts? Well, our text here mentions a few of them, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Not, not an exhaustive list, for elsewhere in the New Testament we find different lists. Namely, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, none of them are exhaustive, but noteworthy about this particular list in Ephesians chapter 4 is that the gifts listed are gifts of leadership. Gifts of leadership clearly connected with teaching and preaching God's Word. See, what all of these gifts have in common is their ministries of the word, proclaiming, explaining, introducing, or announcing God's word. Today's not only Halloween, but it's also Reformation Day, October the 31st, the day in 1517 that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church door there in Wittenberg, Germany, and the occasion that many credit as sparking the great Protestant Reformation, a renewed interest in the Scriptures, in the Scriptures in the hands of the people, a people sitting under and listening to God's Word, wanting to hear the Word, going directly to God in the Word. The faithful proclamation and proper explanation of the Word provides the foundation from which the church grows. For without it, the whole body ceases to be about our Lord, ceases to be about our Savior, ceases to be about her head, Jesus the Christ. And so, so as people who are part of a local church, Local body of believers wanting to be faithful to the Lord. Let's gather expecting the word to be taught. Let's come hungry for the word. Let's come hungry for the scriptures. If if we can count on anything with certainty in our corporate gatherings, may we always be able to count on hearing the word of God read, proclaimed, believed, and applied as the people of Jesus Christ. And let's not only come ready to hear the word, but let's come ready to respond to the word 
by using our God-given gifts to serve one another, to serve the church. See, Jesus gives leaders to teach God's word and saints to serve the church. He gives saints to serve the church. Tomorrow is All Saints Day, November the 1st, a day that many churches remember and give God thanks for saints who have gone before. Saints who are part of their particular local church family, but saints in Christ Church Universal. And I'm not talking just about Peter or Patrick, Francis or Catherine. I'm talking about you and me. We're the saints. We're the saints. We're God's holy people being equipped for works of service. He's talking about us. Paul's talking about us. He's talking about every believer. For every believer is a saint cleansed by the blood of Christ and set apart by to be his beloved people. And our text for today, Ephesians chapter 4, doesn't give us a list of specific ways to serve the church. There's not a detailed list here of, of needs, of ways to minister or to serve in the church, perhaps because of the particular needs and opportunities for ministry vary significantly from place to place. But as many of you know, here in this local body, here in this church family, we depend upon greeters and teachers and decorators and baby rockers and child care Workers and communion cup fillers and baptism buddies and choir members and bouncy house monitors and hot dog grillers and Wednesday night servers and singers and instrument players and sound technicians and intercessory prayer warriors and generous givers and mission trip leaders, among a host of other things, are brothers and sisters, fellow members of this local body of Christ, consider how Jesus has gifted you. Consider how Jesus has gifted you. For Paul says he has gifted you. He's gifted you to equip the church for growth. Last week, just a few days ago, we had our fall festival. And there's a lot, as you know, that goes into a fall festival. It's an appropriate time to give thanks for a host of incredible servants for long hours of planning and preparation and execution by staff members who do an exceptional job with this. But as you well know, it's far more than just church staff members. There's a cooking team and a setup team. There are creative minds that go into doing the trunks and putting them where they go and Communicating care and love and welcome to those that gather. There's a cleanup crew. There's a whole host of folks serving in a variety of ways. Sort of a miniature expression of what God intends in the body of Jesus Christ. Consider how God has wired you and shaped you and equipped you for, for the church's growth. For the word of God says that he has. Has he given you a friendly face? Good at welcoming. A patient soul gifted to work with toddlers, a talented musician, a hospitable host, a creative mind? Do you have the gift of of teaching or are you well suited to help in tech ministry? If you're unsure 
Or you don't know, ask someone around you. Ask someone who knows you. For chances are they can tell you, consider how Jesus has gifted you, for he has gifted you so the body of Christ may grow spiritually. So the body of Christ may grow and grow spiritually. King Jesus gives gifts to all of his people so the body of Christ may grow spiritually. You see, Christ Jesus, our head, our Lord, our Savior, he he cares about our growth. He cares about our spiritual growth. And spiritual growth occurs in community. A community recognizing the lordship of Jesus and consuming a steady diet of his Word. Paul says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. So that we as a church may be built up. What does it mean to be built up? What does it mean to, to grow spiritually? Well, Paul tells us. He tells us here. And I don't think he's envisioning... 21st century sort of cutting-edge marketing strategies for numerical growth. I mean, what Paul shares here probably isn't the stuff that packs church growth conferences, right? Or best-selling books or large auditoriums, but it's what matters most. It's marks of a healthy church. So what are they? Paul says that Jesus gives church leaders to teach and saints to serve so the body of Christ may grow spiritually. How? Into Christ-likeness. Into Christ-likeness. Becoming more and more like Jesus. Reflecting the character of Jesus Christ. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, Luke tells us, because they acted like Christ. As we already already discovered in our time in Ephesians, we heard in Ephesians chapter 3, the ultimate purpose of Paul's prayer there in chapter 3 for us to know the, the magnitude of Christ's love was so that we become like Jesus, becoming the person that God has made us to be. And now again in chapter 4, Paul says that Jesus gives grace gifts so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, becoming like Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate picture of a healthy church, growing into Christ's likeness and preserving doctrinal stability. Another marker here, preserving doctrinal stability, a key mark of spiritual maturity is understanding the faith, the body of doctrine we believe, and knowledge of Jesus Christ, both intellectually and personally. Paul says, verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. By every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. In other words, Jesus intends that we hear the word and that we serve the church. And as we do, by God's grace, we're able to recognize right doctrine. Rejecting syncretism and pluralism and Unitarianism and theological liberalism and Christian nationalism and other deviations from theological orthodoxy grounded in God's Word. The truth matters. 
Paul is saying the truth matters, which is why he also says that another sign of a healthy church is speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. You see, elsewhere in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul describes the church as the pillar and foundation of the truth. The pillar and foundation of the truth. Meaning God has entrusted the church, He's entrusted us with promoting the message of Jesus Christ. So let's be known for that. Let's be known as a people who go to the Word as the source of truth, and then as people who tell the truth and who do so in love who tell the truth, who speak the truth in love, the kind of love fitting for those who know the rescuing love of Jesus. And so rather than believing the latest trend or fad or conspiracy theory, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. Friends, may people say, of Meadowbrook Baptist Church. Those people teach the Bible. They really believe God's Word. They really believe and share what it says. And may they say of us, they love and care for one another. They love and care for one another. When they have an event, when they have a a fall festival or a block party or when they gather for worship or when they go into the community, they are marked by love for one another and they love their neighbors as themselves. May people say such of us. You see, King Jesus has given us gifts so that the body of Christ may grow spiritually into Christ-likeness, preserving doctrinal stability, speaking the truth in love, and finally, serving Christ and each other. Serving Christ and each other. The body of Christ believes, celebrates, and shares the message of Jesus Christ. The gospel. Submitting to the authority of Christ who is our exalted head. Last night in our home, our kids were sitting at the table. They were, they were drawing. They, they always act that way. Quietly, you know, doing... <laughs> No, not at all. But last night, they did for a minute. And they were sitting at the table drawing. My youngest, my four-year-old, was, you know, wanting to do what his older brother and sister were doing. And so he got ready and thought of what he wanted to draw. And he said, hey, hey, Dad. He said, what do you draw first? What do you draw first? And I'm thinking, what are you trying to draw? And then he said, oh, yeah, the head. You draw the head. And then he was asking, what do you draw next? The neck. Oh, yeah. And he was answering. And finally, oh, what do you draw? After? The body. Right? The, you begin with the head. And likewise in the church, Christ Jesus is our head. We begin with Him. We fix our gaze upon Him. We want to exalt Him and to worship Him and to, to know Him. To proclaim the riches of God's grace expressed through the, gospel, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, from Him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. O oh, believer, because you are part of the body, you matter. You're important. You're needed. 
called to contribute and to use your grace gifts for the glory of Jesus and for the good of His church. The picture here in Ephesians chapter 4 is of dependence on Jesus. Dependence on our head, dependence on Christ, but also a dependence on one another. As we serve one another and lean on each other as fellow body parts, serving together in perfect harmony to support and to maintain spiritual life. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Same metaphor. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Jesus equips his church with gifts for growth. Consider how Jesus has gifted you and then love and serve the body of Christ. Love and serve the body of Jesus Christ. Friends, what a privilege it is to be part of his body. What a privilege it is to be counted among his people. To be saved by His grace and equipped by His Spirit. To be an ambassador of Christ and to serve one another for the good of each other and the glory of Jesus Christ. And incredibly, the picture painted here in Ephesians 4 of spiritual growth in the body of Christ includes, includes serving as a means of growth. Serving is a means of growth. You know, I think we often think of, uh, we, we grow based on what we know, cerebrally. What well, we hear, we, we hear and we grow, we learn and we grow. Eventually, once we grow and learn enough, then we can serve and minister to others. But Paul says, no. Yes, we, we stand under the, the authority. We submit to the Word of God. We learn and grow as we come to know Jesus Christ, intellectually and personally, but not just as we know Him. Serving is a means for growth. So if you want to grow in Christ, if you want to grow in Jesus Christ, If you want the church to grow in maturity in Christ, then start serving. Start using the grace gifts that God has given you. Let's find a place to serve. And if you don't know where that may be or what that looks like, know that I would love to talk with you about it. Any of our staff would love to talk with you about what it means to use the gifts that God has given you to serve in the church. If you're in a Sunday school class or a life group, talk to your teacher, your leader about it. May we be a people who know that we've been equipped by Jesus Christ, our head, for one another's growth and the glory of his name. Let's serve, for we serve a God who has served us. Oh, God, help us to do so. Oh, God, help us to know you and to serve you. Father, help us to know you and to know the riches of your grace. Lord, for to know you is to know of your grace. It is to know of your love. It is to know of of Christ's humility, of Jesus humbling himself and becoming one of us, becoming a man. 
living a perfect life and giving his life as the perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be counted as your people, adopted into your family, called among your own, part of your kingdom, citizens of your kingdom and fellow members of your household, part of the building of your people where you dwell by your spirit. Lord, lead us to know that you dwell among us and in us and have gifted us to serve for the glory of your name. Lord, lead us to do so. Lord, lead us even now, even now as we respond with adoration and praise, as we respond with with faith and obedience. Father, lead us to lay our lives before you, to give ourselves to you in faith, trusting that you have equipped us, that you have called us, Lord, that you desire to use us. Lord, lead us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.